0: This is the Martin Luther Sermon Podcast, and this is Martin Luther's Sermon on the text, Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. It was preached on reminiscery, that is, the second Sunday in the season of Lent. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. And for more information on the Luther Sermon Podcast, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. This sermon is from Luther's house postal, and I'm reading from a translation published by S. A. Schulze, publisher in Columbus, Ohio, in 1884. The text is in the public domain. First, the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 15. Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Cana came out to the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth out after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Luther's Sermon. This is a precious gospel. It has been assigned to this Sunday as others were because it contains an account of the casting out of a devil. The intention was thus to admonish people to become pious and to confess their sins, but it is a popish piety, poor and false, that is put off all the year until this Sunday and is reached and that consists in miserable fastings and forced confessions which are not commanded. This gospel means no such farce and child's play. It contains an important and difficult lesson showing how faith, in agony and adversity, pleads its cause before God, from which we should learn not to be deterred by any obstacle from coming to him with our cries and petitions, even if he himself should at first say nay. This struggle we experience particularly in the perils of death the devil being busy to stir up within us terrible thoughts as if God our Lord had rejected and forsaken us. Dark and lowering clouds then hang over us so that the bright sun with its rays is totally obscured. An awful night overwhelms us with multiplied distress. This struggle is portrayed in the woman of our text. The person and all attending circumstances are of the most unpromising kind. The first unfavorable circumstance is the fact that the woman is of heathen birth, no child of Abraham nor of his lineage, and therefore being a stranger she has no right to ask any favors here. This she knew, and it would have been no wonder if this fact had prevented her coming. She might easily have been led to think, Why shall I go, and what shall I ask? It is all in vain. I am a heathen and a foreign woman. He is a Jew and one sent unto the Jews." I very much doubt whether we would overcome such obstacles as this. We would succumb to them and give up our prayer. It is no trifling matter when conscience appears with its charges and tells us, What are you about? You have not the right to pray, and you are not Christ's disciple. Let Peter and Paul pray to God. These he will help, but not you. You have no faith. Perhaps you are not one of the elect and surely unworthy to come before God with your petitions. With thoughts like these the devil can bring us to despair, for indeed the obstacles are great. When thus perplexed, let us look for encouragement upon this woman, and learn to conduct ourselves as she did. The difficulties in the way do not appall her; she keeps only in view the object of her coming, and forgets that she is a heathen and a Jew, and he a Jew. Her confidence and hope in Christ are so great that she never doubts his condescension. Her faith cancels the fact that she is a heathen. One without faith would never have acted thus, but would have concluded, It is of no use to present my request before him. I am in the clutches of the devil beyond all hope. Let his own people come to him. Them will he hear, but not me. Whoever has no faith is utterly unable to pray. The woman is not vexed with the doubt as to her privilege of coming to Christ. She does not spend the time in debating the question whether she dared come or not. She simply starts upon her way and comes. It is surely a severe and dangerous affliction when the devil prompts the heart to despair of the mercy of God, to refuse to pray to him, yea, rather to be ready to curse him, and to think that all is lost and damnation is sure. Such wicked thoughts deter an inexperienced heart from prayer and throw it into despondency. This story is therefore of great value for us and written on our account so that we might know how to meet the enemy when he comes and says, You are no Christian, your prayers in vain. Mind not such insinuations, but answer boldly, I care not who I am. I know that I am a sinner, but I also know that Christ is my, my Lord is holy, ever just, and merciful. Therefore I will call unto him without hesitation and think of nothing besides. I have no time to debate whether I am one of the chosen or not. This much I know. I need help. And on that account I come, humbly seeking it. If we are thus disposed in mind, we follow the example of our gospel aright. The woman was a heathen, and, aware of that, she had to conclude that she did not belong to the chosen people. She swallows, however, contentedly this big and bitter morsel, still praying unto Christ with much earnestness. Go and do likewise. Say, O Lord, here I come, in want of everything." Give me what I need through thy son, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Such a struggle of faith and wonderful exhibition of its nature is manifest in this heathen woman. We are told that she cried out, O Lord, thou Son of David, have mercy on me. This was an humble and reverential appeal, full of earnestness and faith. She confesses in these words her faith in Christ as the Savior of the world whom God has sent. She reminds him of his office and relates to him her sorrow. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Christ heard her complaint, but answered not a word. This was the second rebuff for her, which was plainly intended to remind her that she was a Gentile and not entitled to a portion of the heritage of the people of God. She follows Christ with her request, but he is silent and pays no attention to her. Surely a reception well calculated to shake the strongest confidence. Why should she not have thought... I was mistaken. He does not help, nor is he merciful unto all, as I supposed. I see now that he hears but a favored few and looks not to the existing misery of the suppliants coming to him. But the poor woman is not yet hopeless of success. See what happens next. The disciples, weary of her entreaties, are inclined to mercy sooner than Christ, They regard his behavior as harsh and relentless, wherefore they begin to interfere in behalf of the woman. O Lord, thou seest how meekly and earnestly she supplicates thee, hear her and grant her prayer, else she will not desist from it. Indeed, a valuable example to show us how we ought to be instant in prayer. Talrius in his writings remarks that we should detest from our prayers. By this he means that when we have prayed often and earnestly, we may for a time leave off with our petitions, having full faith, however, that God has heard our prayer and will in proper season grant it. But it would certainly be wrong to teach people to refrain from prayer. This neglect comes of itself too soon and too often. This example also instructs us not to leave off with our prayer, but to continue in it without considering whether we are good or bad, deserving or not. We need help and cannot postpone our petition. Every obstacle thrown in the way of our supplication should only prove an incentive to a still more earnest and incessant continuance in it. Now comes the third trial for the woman, when Christ says, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. With these words he also rebukes the disciples, for he will neither hear them nor the woman. She might now have thought, He is indeed inexorable, And listens neither to those in want nor to those who have have interceded in their behalf. And, in fact, we nowhere else find Christ resisting so persistently as here. But the woman is not dismayed. She clings to him with pertinacity and is not checked in her prayer even by this third repulse. When her clamor and the intercession of others seems to be of no avail, she even comes unto the house, as St. Mark relates. An impudent woman, forsooth, she runs after Christ in the streets with her cry, and when he enters the house to escape her notice, she follows him and casts herself at his feet. But all this is written for our instruction and consolation. Christ is well pleased with such obstinate persistence in prayer. Still, the Lord is not ready to yield as she desires. He answers the woman, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. If Christ has spoken such words to me, I would have turned and left him, thinking it useless to ask him any more, since he seems determined not to grant the request. For indeed it is a most severe saying, and enough to crush the poor woman. He tells her that she is a heathen, and therefore no heir, and then, in addition, calls her a dog. This is worse than if he had simply called her a heathen, and is equivalent to the declaration, Thou art a child of the devil in every respect. Be gone, I will have nothing to do with thee. Indeed, a most appalling trial. If St. Peter or St. Paul spake such a word to me, I would be frightened to death. What can it mean that Christ himself thus speaks to the woman? Just here we notice the beauty and excellence of this example, for we learn from it the mighty strength of faith. Faith takes hold of Christ's words, even when they sound harshly, and changes them into soothing expressions of consolation. The woman replies to this harsh saying, Thou callest me a dog? I will not gainsay it. Take me as a dog, and treat me as one, if it so pleases thee. Give the bread to the children, and seat them at the table. I ask no such favor. Only permit me to pick up under the table the crumbs which the children have dropped, and which they do not miss, and I will be content. She thus overcomes Christ with his own word. And by accepting the position of a dog, she obtains the privileges of a child. What can he now say? The merciful, compassionate Jesus, forced by his own words, he yields. Oh, that we would force him in a similar way. He is ever willing that it should be done. This most glorious and peculiar struggle of faith is narrated to us that it might be a bright example for all. Never should we turn from the Lord, though He calls us dogs or heathens; dogs must have a ma- have masters and food, and the heathens must have a God. The Lord is overcome by the untiring supplication and unwavering faith. He answers, "O oh woman, all these refusals and rebuffs thou hast successfully sustained and repelled it shall now be unto thee as thou desirest. Christ is himself astonished at this example of faith. He has seen how easily the Jews were offended when he told them that they must partake of his flesh, but this woman in her faith clings to the hope that he is the Savior and Helper in whom she firmly trusts. Here we find the reason why Christ assumed the appearance of harshness towards the woman. His repulsive treatment of her did not proceed from an unfriendly disposition toward the Gentiles, but it was his purpose to test and make manifest the faith of this woman, So that the Jews, who were the children of his kingdom, might learn from her, a heathen, how to believe in him, and what confidence they should have in him. He is so well pleased with the whole conduct of the woman, that he can no longer withhold his mercy and kindness, but tells her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. She asked, but the favors extended to dogs, he gives her much more. He not only cures her daughter, but offers to grant her whatever she may ask, and thus ranks her among the seed of Abraham. Her faith is the source of all her blessings. Through faith she is no more a dog or a heathen, but a holy woman and a beloved child. Such examples teach us that we should continue steadfast in our supplication, though God may for a long time defer His acquiescence in our demands, firmly believing that at the proper time and in the proper manner He will pronounce His yea to our prayer. All that is required is not to become weary nor hopeless in our petitions, but to trust faithfully in Him and His providence. Other examples teach us the same lesson. Joseph continued in his prayer to God for help 13 entire years, yet the more he prayed, the worse his condition seemed to become. Christians have the same experience in our time. They come unto God with their prayer for assistance, yet after a long time has elapsed, there is still no change for the better. On the contrary, they experience with Joseph that affairs become worse and worse. If Joseph had obtained an immediate response to his prayer, Jacob, his father, would have been saved much anxiety but Joseph himself would have remained a simple shepherd. By the long-continued delay of the fulfillment of Joseph's prayer, it came to pass that God made him ruler over all Egypt, so that he became a great blessing, not only during the seven years of famine, but also in the government of the state and the church. Egypt and the surrounding countries were thus benefited. God pursues the same course with us. He may for a long time refuse to hear our prayer, or may answer with a nay, But if we faithfully persist in our request, he will finally drop the no and make it yes. His word cannot lie. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Our reason cannot understand such a delay and is offended at it. It expects an immediate fulfillment of the request. But it is wrong to be thus offended. We must not be dismayed if God answers not according to our wishes even if one year or two or three years pass by ere they are fulfilled. Above all things we must see to it, that hope and faith in his promises are not lost from our hearts. In the end he gives us much more than we had ever dared to ask. This was the experience of the woman, yea, if she had asked for still more than she did, he would also in the end have granted it. God teaches us that it is not well at all times immediately to grant our request, He does this in times of imminent peril. If we fall into the water or in battle, he does not tarry with his help, but straightway comes to our relief. But wherever a delay is practicable, it is the will of God that we should learn to wait and to exercise our faith in prayer as the prophet Habakkuk says, Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Thus the Lord tarries at the present day and permits the Pope and the infidels to rage against us. We cry unto him and lament, but he heeds not our prayer and permits us to be downtrodden as though we had no God. But it will not always be thus. Let us therefore entertain no doubts. Christ our Lord and God his Father in heaven mean to say yes to our prayers in the end. This we believe most assuredly in spite of all delay and the devil's maliciousness. God will surely be merciful unto his church and rescue her from her enemies when she crieth unto him. He has already determined upon this, for he says, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Why then should we doubt or fear? We ought firmly to believe that God will answer our prayer favorably in spite of our unworthiness if we but faithfully continue to implore him. Thus we see that this narrative presents a most excellent example of true faith, how it must be applied, and how it will finally triumph over all adversities. The woman does not permit even Christ himself to deprive her of the belief that he would hear and help her. This occurrence is also a source of great consolation to us when we are disturbed by the thought of our wickedness and unworthiness, which indeed will trouble us during our whole life, often to the detriment of our faith. If Christ had looked more upon unworthiness and merit than upon the great misery of the woman, he would not have helped her, but his compassion prompted him to afford relief. He will be merciful and ready to help us if we but come unto him with our sorrows and trust in him with a believing heart. May God in mercy strengthen us that we may be able to do this, that we depend entirely upon his word and promises and thus, through faith in Christ, be saved forevermore. Amen. This has been Dr. Martin Luther's sermon on Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and this is the Luther Sermon Podcast. For more information about this sermon and to hear other Luther sermons, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org.